0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app.
1: We appreciate you coming back for it. We hope you had a very positive long weekend. For those of you that got that extra day off like we did, hope you enjoyed it with your family, friends, whatever you made the most of your time this weekend. A lot of you, of course, watching NFL football. And very much when we have in all sports, when you have high seeds versus Low seeds. Sometimes those games work out exactly as they're supposed to. The higher seed usually drills the lower seed. However, we we were we were given games and moments of joy this weekend that far out you know weighed the seeding of the teams. And exactly as I've professed to you all the time on this show. I've tried to pound it into Chris and Matt as much as I possibly can with a hammer. Pros play. Pros compete. And this weekend, we got just that. Take it easy out on the roads this morning. It's terrible out there with the wet roadways. Russell's here. Maddie's here. I am here, amazingly. Thank you to Kevin Sheehan for making that extra point about Al Michaels in the broadcast. It was probably the difference between me opening the show and Russell opening the show. Good morning, sir.
2: And get stuck with Russell, yapping, and opening up the week right here on oh. Russell and Medhurst. I mean, thank look, goodness she and went long. Thank goodness um, look, we I mean, go long all the time. We, we do. Uh,
1: we do. I'm um,
2: glad you. I'm gl- first of all. I'm glad you made it safe. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Obviously, remember the reason why: the sacrifice, the mission, the passion, the direction, the leadership that was exuded by dr martin luther king throughout his life and ultimately to the very end why we all had most of us had a three-day weekend uh and why we didn't do a show uh yesterday so first salute there uh and i hope everybody took care of as many things as they can and more importantly took care of each other And, uh, you know, there's still some crazy ass stuff going on in the world and just horrifying. But, you know, you just take a deep breath and hope that everybody again does their best to take care of each other. Now, to the sports. Um, You kind of said, you know, like when we were last together on Friday, and I should have known better, right? You had, we thought we had several third string quarterbacks starting. We knew Brock Purdy, San Francisco, that was first up. We knew Skylar Thompson, Miami, first up on Sunday. We weren't sure exactly if we were going to have an Anthony Brown. Is that the kid's name? Mm -hmm. Anthony Brown. Or Tyler Huntley, or Snoop Dogg, uh -uh, citing on Sunday night. We got Snoop. I'm being a little bit sarcastic because I got yelled at on Twitter the other day. For just saying, how many times am I going to hear about Snoop from reporters trying to act cool? Tyler. Tyler Huntley played quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Not Snoop. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, we thought we were going to have possibly third, three third-string quarterbacks starting the six games. Which would have been incredible. We only wound up having two. Still, pretty crazy right to think that a team could be on the third string quarterback pete and actually make the playoffs and actually win possibly or come close to winning a playoff game and that was the biggest surprise to me i guess overall besides what we'll get to with the chargers and the jaguars i don't know how much of a surprise that was that's why i put it in a different category miami and baltimore having basically every chance in the world to win those two games with Skylar fricking Thompson. And again, yes, Tyler Huntley, still not a third string, but not a starter. Okay. Maybe the starter eventually. That was pretty crazy to me because I lost both of those pets. I thought both Buffalo and Cincinnati were going to cover their, not only win, which they did both games, but I thought they were going to win and win somewhat easily. And at times, both games you thought, okay, they're just gonna pull away. And they never did. Think and, about And this. Cincinnati was kind of fortunate to think, be honest with you. Think about
1: this, Christopher. If Jalen Waddell had any kind of a game whatsoever, yeah. Miami might beat Buffalo. Yes. I mean Mike McDaniel <laughs> Mike McDaniel it look, I don't look at one point, you know at one point I was thinking, God, what is he doing? And then I realized, you know what? He's doing the only thing he can do. He's just throwing haymakers and seeing if he can hit one. It's like a heavyweight bout where you got a guy heavyweight champion that's twenty seven and zero going on. I mean, it's like Tyson Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas just hoping to bang Tyson a couple times. Mm-hmm. And, and Miami kept doing that. I mean, and you had, I mean, Tyree Kill had a, a critical drop. Waddle had multiple drops. Gusecki had uh, two, at least on his part. I think they
2: like, had four in the first half. I believe Yeah, It, it was like
1: seven overall, I think, for yeah. the game. But how about this? Skylar Thompson was 18 for 45. I know. Okay? He had 27 incomplete passes in the game. I know. But Mike kept throwing it cuz he knew he knew he wasn't running the ball down Buffalo's throat with Jeff Wilson. That just wasn't happening. Salvin Ahmed, not that that wasn't they weren't going to win that way. Okay? All that does is maybe make you lose 24 to 3. You know, in a game that's a lot faster than three hours and 53 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the longest regulation playoff games in the history of the National Football League.
2: It was so long... I think it's still going. They moved the second game I know, back. I know which they had to never move that happens. game back. That was a 430 kick. Yeah. They moved it to 450 scheduled. And I think by the time it kicked off, it was like 453 or something like that. Yeah. Uh I maybe I took my eye off the clock. Maybe it was four fifty one, whatever, whatever the case might be. Pete, the third quarter. I, I was I was bouncing around on Sunday, so I, I was in and out of that first mic because, quite honestly, I expected it to be more one-sided than it turned out to be, and that was my fault. I shouldn't have doubted McDaniel and Miami because they have fought their asses off, even though they were clearly not the same team down the stretch when Tua was healthy and thriving, and duh— uh, it's not only two, it's Taron Armstead, uh, others on their offensive line are banged up, so on and so forth. Um, honestly, I thought Buffalo's going to pull away with this one, especially when they're up 17 nothing to start. So I start doing life, right, because, I mean, you got to do life. And I'm listening to Ross Tucker on the radio and Tom McCarthy. And by the way, Ross Tucker, very, very, very funny. Oh, yeah. Very funny, I mean, we love him for a football guy, just a good dude, the food thing, whatever. Very funny. Go back and listen to that broadcast. He had a couple of really good one-liners. But anyway, like, I I kept thinking, oh, my God, what's going on here? Maybe this Buffalo team is not as good as I thought. Maybe this Buffalo team not as good as we thought. uh, Certainly the Von Miller injury. Then the DeMar Hamlin situation combined with already having lost Micah Hyde earlier in the year for the year, um, their offensive line is not great. And Miami just kept fighting and clawing and scratching and obviously took the lead on the Josh Allen fumble slash recovery for the touchdown. And you're like, wait a second. How in the world is Miami doing this? With not just Tua out, with Teddy Bridgewater active but not playing. Like, so banged up that they couldn't start him or wouldn't start him. And I was like, whoa! And and it just reminds you, it just reminds you, that every game, every situation, every team is so different. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, we care so much about what goes on with the Washington Commanders, Pete, And for whatever reason, they find a way probably more often than not to shoot themselves in the foot, as opposed to actually getting beat, to beat themselves. Well, Miami beat themselves in some ways on on, on Sunday, plenty of ways. We haven't even gotten to the game clock situation, the fourth and inches, all that. I mean, it wasn't a great, great look down the stretch, but. Miami fought their freaking guts out. The Baltimore Ravens fought their freaking guts out. You know who didn't fight their freaking guts out? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers last night won. The Los Angeles Chargers in the second half, they didn't fight their guts out. No, they folded like a cheap suit. They didn't fold. Same thing for the Seahawks earlier that day. Great first half. They folded, basically, or they got run over by well, an 18-wheeler in their, the second half.
1: Their demise their demise came after Frisco had retaken the league. Because Seattle led it to half. Right. Jason Myers banged that field goal to make it 17-16. And then San Francisco scores. And the Seahawks are going back down the field again. And Geno puts the ball on the turf in, Sanf- in, in plus territory. And that was the momentum killer right there. If Seattle goes and scores and answers back right there, goes back up 24-23, mm-hmm. that game may go right down to the last snap as well. But Gino, who's had such a magical season, getting the ball knocked out there, putting it on the carpet, and that, that essentially ended the momentum yeah. that Seattle had in that game. Because if they score there... If Tyler Huntley doesn't try to play Trevor Lawrence, you know, Trevor Lawrence, six foot four, long arms, mm-hmm. balls one yard away. Tyler Huntley's almost at the two-yard line, mm-hmm. trying to dive over the top. Much shorter guy, much shorter arms. His offensive line doesn't win the leverage battle at all. Even if they had, I'm not sure Huntley's dive gets him to the goal line. He was too far away. It's just not the you have J.K. Dobbins, who again Just like the Chargers, and I know the numbers were what they were, okay? In the second half, the Chargers ran seven times, 23 yards, okay? So in theory, no, they weren't moving the ball on the ground. But, you know, they could have run the ball a little bit more. You never know. You bust one or two of those runs, and their first downs, that's three more plays for Mm. you, guaranteed. Um, J.K. Dobbins... And Gus Edwards both, I thought, were having success on the ground for Baltimore the other night. And for whatever reason, Greg Roman and that offensive staff just outsmarted themselves, uh, I thought, down in the red zone. You've got Cincinnati on the ropes. And Dobbins, I thought, was your best football player the other night, and you didn't put it in his hands. How did he how not put it in his hands? Well,
2: we've seen a lot of that around here, haven't
1: we? Uh, again, why do offensive coordinators continue to try and outsmart themselves? Just walk up to the line of scrimmage. It's just like when Russ Grimm in the 82 title game told Thiesman and those guys, uh, uh, told Joe in the huddle, I don't care what Gibbs sends in here. We're running 50-gun, <laughs> and we're running it right at Randy White, right. and we're going to run it again, and we're going to run it again, and we're going to run it again. And, and, and all Baltimore had to do was give the ball to either Edwards or J.K. Dobbins, and and put the chips you know in the middle of the table with your best possible play, and they didn't do that. But I will caution you, all of you that are you know you know say, oh, I don't know about Buffalo or I don't know about Cincinnati. Remember, Cincinnati beat Tennessee nineteen seventeen in a kind of a pedestrian game last year. Nobody felt nobody felt Cincinnati would win that game in that fashion. Okay. Cincinnati the other night offensively. The Ravens' defense could not have played better. The first touchdown for Cincinnati was after the turnover by Huntley when Cincinnati took over basically at the, at the Baltimore 20, and they put it in the end zone. Otherwise, that defense held Cincinnati about as good as you can in check during the course of a football mm-hmm. game, just like Tennessee did last year. Mm-hmm. Tennessee had every right to win that football game last year, and they didn't. Cincinnati, of course, was able to move on. This game this week between those two—I mean, get your popcorn ready. That's going to be a fabulous football game.
2: Cincinnati Buffalo.
1: Cincinnati Buffalo. Yeah,
2: the game that we didn't get to see. <sighs>
1: right, going to be a you
2: fabulous, know. going to be a fabulous football game in Buffalo. Correct. Okay, different circumstance. We're going to have to get into that when we have a little more time in terms of whether it's fair or not for Buffalo to have the home field advantage. All that. I know some people are upset about that. Uh, on on Twitter, but uh, we're just kind of giving you a quick snapshot of obviously a bunch of these games um, from the weekend, six NFL playoff games, saving, of course, Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, the Giants winning that. We'll get into that coming up, Uh, and more on Dallas's domination of Tampa and what that might trigger and what that probably will trigger uh, all coming up as well. We're going to get into the commander's ownership mess, And fiasco, I guess. Uh, We're going to get into the commander's offensive coordinator search, which is certainly, Pete, cranked up a year over the last three days since we were last uh, talking about Jim Caldwell turning down an Mm -hmm. invitation. Uh, Certainly a bunch of new names out and about, interviews going on, so on and so forth. Don't think any decision is coming soon. Maybe at the end of this week. Maybe next week. We will see. But um, I guess just before we get to the break, Outside of the Dallas and the Giants wins, again, we'll we'll get to that here coming up. Seattle-San Francisco, I don't think anybody's surprised by that result. I don't think Brock Purdy was as good as everybody is making him out to be in that game.
1: Stop trying to diminish Brock Purdy. Everybody's just
2: trying to poke a hole in the I, balloon. I, I'm not trying to poke a hole. In the first half, he wasn't very good. He was great in the second half. He was not good in the first half. Uh, the... I mean, heroic effort by the Dolphins again, great effort by the Ravens, all all that. We can parse what went wrong and what they should have done. All all of that is fair. For what happened to the Chargers, Mm -hmm. up 27 to nothing. Mm -hmm. We've seen collapses before. We just saw only, one. only
1: two of them greater in National right. Football League history. Right,
2: and, and, and we just saw one of them a couple of weeks ago with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings coming back over a not very good in any way, shape, or form Indianapolis team and then Buffalo and Houston, Frank Reich, so on and so forth, right? But man alive, how in the world, how in the world do the Chargers – Go home and put the pieces together and then start telling everyone, and I mean singing the freaking praises, singing like canaries, how great Brandon Staley is. Listen, I know I might be hard on him. I got it. I'm not usually very critical of head coaches. I think he's, I don't think he's a bad coach, I think he's reckless. I've said that there is a difference. I think he's very reckless, and, that, and that's the that's the term I used over the weekend. Yes, I, I it think, is. I, I saw I that. I think
1: that is the proper right term
2: to use. I think there is a difference between bad and reckless. Correct. Correct. Okay, we we can examine this more, but I mean because what he's have... doing,
1: what the tough part is, what he's doing, he's trying to be aggressive toward winning. Yes, which is which is not a bad thing. But it is a reckless thing.
2: Or it can be a reckless thing. It can be a reckless thing. Some will look at it as, no, that's the way you have to coach in 2022, 2023. You have to be ultra aggressive, and that is going to lead to some reckless or poor decisions. Again, I always say this. It is like we in society and we in sports talk radio often criticize a coach or a quarterback, or whatever, based on how a situation plays out. I think that's incorrect. You have to judge as best you can before a decision. So I always say, like, when covering a commander's game, when Ron lines up at fourth and one from his own 36 in San Francisco in the middle of the third quarter against a high-powered explosive offense, even with Brock Purdy, third string, Mr. Irrelevant, this, that, and the other thing, even without Debo Samuel— Bad idea. That's aggressive. That's reckless. That's that's not smart, right, because of the downside. When Brandon Staley does it and he's down 17-14 to the Raiders, Sunday night football, season on the line last year, from his own 18-yard line, Pete, that's reckless. That's dumb. That's stupid. When Brandon Staley and the Chargers blow a 27 to nothing lead to an offense that we all knew was, was just playing terribly, not that they were a bad offense, but playing terribly, I don't know if I could sit here and say, as I normally would, that Brandon Staley was reckless. Now, you pointed out how little they ran. That is somewhat reckless. But I don't know if I walk away from that disaster for the Chargers going, Brandon Staley was reckless like he normally is. What I can say is obviously a great comeback by Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, so on, Doug Peterson and Brandon Staley. Oh, I can I mean, say it's this. A, that's an it, it's an unfair scale of justice. That's an enemmer, man. D-
1: Doug Peterson's won a Super Bowl with a uh, backup quarterback, while Brandon Staley just made the playoffs for the first time. I mean, that's 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 it's not a fair fight. And if kudos you're to him coach. with
2: all their injuries to make the playoffs.
1: But also remember. They were up twenty seven and up. I understand. So there has to be credit given for that part. But again, again, that is it's good defense, but it's also some terrible decision making by Trevor Lawrence. Yes. because uh, that that aids to it. But the And fact, some bad luck. Well, a little bit of that too. But the the thing the ultimate thing is at some point, you got to put your flag in the ground, you gotta put your foot down in the second half. Somebody on the defensive side's gotta go make a play. And and get a stop. Just get a stop. One stop. That's all the Chargers really needed in the second half. Yeah. Just
2: one stop. You know who didn't? I'll tell you in when we come back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because because that guy might be more my subject of ire, believe it or not, than Brandon Staley. Mm.
1: Talk about that next. 301-230-0980. Jay Gruden joins us at 10 o'clock. AJ Perez from Front Office Sports joins us at 11 to break down all the details within the commander's sale as uh, J.P. Finley of Odyssey, D.C. and NBC Sports Washington uh, reporting that it looks as if that sale could be happening sooner rather than later, not necessarily this week, but certainly by March. That would aid the organization going forward in its offseason trying to resurrect this roster and make it better because, oh, by the way, Three teams from the NFC East are still playing in the divisional round of the playoffs. Try that on for size. 301-230-0980. That's how you reach us this morning on Russell and Medhurst. We're with you every day, 9 to noon, right here on the Team 980. Streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. I'm not sure if this is the right answer or not in Tampa, but the Pewter Report is reporting that D.C. native Byron Leftwich is likely to be the scapegoat there. I think offensive line injuries, a partially healthy Mike Evans for, uh, you know, you look over the 17-game schedule, Mike, you know, was not healthy for a couple of those games. But I think the offensive line being in shambles at times was more the culprit than anything, and I, I I don't know I don't think it's fair that Byron is the is the scapegoat here because you know what, Chris, Tom Brady has the autonomy to say to go to Byron and say, look, here are the concepts that I think are working. Do you think Byron's going to go? Well, no, Tom. I don't think we're going to do that. No, I, I don't think that's going to be the case at all. So, I mean this this was about as much personnel. as, in my mind, and I think Byron Leftwich is, is kind of unfairly being the scapegoat here. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody with deeper knowledge of the Buccaneers situation might say different. But to me, when you're dealing with Tom Brady as your quarterback, Tom's got the autonomy to go to Byron and say, look, let's just run these concepts. These are what work best. And I can't believe for one minute Byron would say, oh, no, Tom, we're not going to do that. I just don't see that.
2: Well, so a couple of things here. One, I think you're you're absolutely right. It's Tom Brady's offense more than it's Byron Lefkowitz's offense. However, that being said, as great as Tom Brady is, and listen, he did not play well last night under any stretch of the imagination. As big of a Tom Brady honk as I am, he did not play well last night. Just didn't. Even when they were desperately trying to make a comeback with like two minutes left in the game. He slightly overthrows a wide mm-hmm. open Mike Evans streaking down the sideline, which would have made it interesting. Would have made it interesting. I, mean, I, don't, the, the, I still don't think they would have won. No, but, but
1: the the interception in the back of the oh, end zone, horrendous. I mean, horrendous. it's just it. it look, it Do was. Do you think clear. he was trying
2: to throw that away, or was that just a bad I attempt think, at making a play? I think
1: what he did. I think he saw. I think it was Godwin, about five yards to the right. I think he saw Godwin come into his sight line, and then he realized, oh, he's not open, and he kind of tried to bring the ball back, so to speak, and he just didn't get enough on it to throw it out of the end zone. And but that's kind of the way Tom Brady's season has been. Chris, his focus hasn't been there from the middle of training camp when he took the time off. I mean, we saw, we saw the, we, we saw the, we saw some kryptonite yep. this year affect Superman. Okay, we found out he's human. We found out that he's human. Dealing with some things, you know, from a life perspective that then affected a diminishing skill set of sorts. Not that's not to say Tom Brady couldn't come back with a good team next year with a good offensive line and good skill people mm-hmm. and be effective. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not to say that he he still couldn't go do that, but you combine, you combine the fact that they lost their center in training camp,
2: mm-hmm. okay? Who who made his season debut last Unbelievably, night. Unbelievably,
1: right? okay? Crazy. Unbelievably, four months later, five months later. But the fact remains is you had an offensive line that w- was nowhere near what it was supposed to be for them. You had a defense that performed subpar. Is that on Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich? That's on Todd Bowles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that defense, which has been a menace, for the last couple of seasons. It's nowhere near as effective uh, as it has been. So I don't think that's Byron Leftwich's fault. So I'll be interested to see what kind of market there is for Byron. I I would imagine Pittsburgh calls to maybe have a conversation, even
2: though they've not fired Matt Canada. I was going to say, I mean, that's a tricky situation. You know who should call? Ron should at least have a conversation. Oh, Wait a second. I was told overnight when I posed this question, when I saw the Pewter report, Report, report. Mm-hmm. Uh, that a friend sent me. I posed this question: DC native. I, I actually I didn't even pose the question. I just DC native. The commanders are trying to lure someone with experience. Well, guess what? Byron Leftwich has experience, and he's from DC. And he would. I'm telling you, I, I don't know Byron Leftwich from a hole in the wall. Byron Leftwich would take the job immediately if Ron gave it to him. Why? Because he should be. Right now, the Jaguars head coach, and he's not. And he blew that opportunity, or I guess blew the opportunity would, would be maybe a stretch, but he at least mismanaged that opportunity because he didn't want Trent balky. He wanted Adrian Wilson, the longtime Cardinals executive, who and former player, who, mm-hmm. by the way, didn't get the Cardinals' GM job. They went outside of the organization to hire longtime Titans and Patriots executive, Monty Ossenfort. Uh So I don't know what's going to happen with Adrian Wilson, is reported du- choice du jour. So he should be the Jaguars' head coach now. He's not. And now, in a year, Byron Leftwich went from one of the hottest coaching candidates after winning the Super Bowl making the playoffs with the number one offense in the NFL basically two years running, averaging like 30 points a game. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Byron Leftwich is clueless. All of a sudden, he's a dope. All of a sudden, I've got guys on my Twitter line saying, nope, hard pass, no thanks, uh -uh, uh-uh. You know, those stupid GIFs and memes that you see, no thanks, nope. All on Byron Lefwich. It had nothing to do with, as you said, a horrible offensive line. It had nothing to do with a running game that could never get on track. It had nothing to do with a Swiss cheese defense. It had nothing to do with Raymond James Stadium being overrun by Cowboys fans as pretty much every Dallas road game is. It had nothing to do with 45-year-old Tom Brady, who I love. Like you said, Pete, dealing with all sorts of things in his life. It had nothing to do with any of that. Nope. It's all about Byron Leftwich being clueless. It's all about Byron Leftwich being dumb. It's all about Byron Leftwich being incompetent, not prepared, not knowing how to answer. For Donovan Smith taking a holding penalty every other snap. Ryan Jensen, again, being knocked out the entire year, making his season debut last night. Losing Alex Kappa in free agency. Losing uh, Ali Marpet into retirement. Tristan Wirfs has been banged up. People, please stop and get a freaking hold of yourself. Byron Leftwich is just fine. Now, we'll get more into that. Pete, I, I wanted to connect the dots on something we were talking about right before the break mm-hmm. about Brandon Staley. Again, you know that I don't hold him in, in the highest regard, but I will give him some credit for getting his team with all the injuries that they had to the playoffs, so on. And again, they were up 27 nothing. Now, epic collapse, all that. You know who really deserves a lot more of the blame than Brandon Staley, at least in my opinion? And I could be wrong on this. I mean, like... Joey Bosa has got to shut up and stop barking about how terrible the officials were. And I'm not saying they were good. They were not. And about how they lost the bleeping game because of officials and because of the penalties that they called against him. When guess what, Joey? A- You're one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and I know you were hurt a lot. Just came back a couple of games ago. I got it. But you were a non-factor, and you took three penalties, including two unsportsmanlike penalties. I got to be honest with you. Joey Bosa, like you. Don't have any problem with you. Your brother's probably better. I would say he's better. (laughs) But that's okay. You're, You're good, man. Please stop. Please stop the nonsense that the officials, okay, now he did He did accept responsibility, said, I, I, you know, I do need to be more accountable for my actions, but it's a heated game and I'm hurting out there. I'm playing on half a leg. I get dragged around, whatever. I, like, I, I get some frustration. We all get frustrated. I get frustrated at traffic, whatever. But for him to basically say that the officials are in cahoots and- are sitting there making calls, making fun of players, and laughing about, ah, no, no, no. They may not be good at their job. They may not get 80% of calls right. And and I think we see that in every NFL game.
1: The only thing I didn't like about the first one, and, and in officiating, you know, having done multiple sports for 30 years plus now, I did not like what Sean Smith did on the first one. To grab the... No, Sean chased him. Yeah. Joey, Joey's walking away. It's just like when Major League umpires do this as well. A person is walking away. Let them walk away. You you have to be the bigger person as the official. Just let them walk away. They're the one that just struck out, okay? They're the one that's dealing with, you know, the brief embarrassment of striking out a Major League game in a big situation or whatever on a close pitch. Just like the other night, got a, you know, tall girl from behind grabs the ball up top behind another person. Okay, it's a jump ball. Everybody in the building on the other team wants over the back. It's over the back. There's no such thing as over the back. It's only a push in the back if they push the player out of the way. I told the coach we're not going to penalize tall people. Okay, and in this case, you, you, you don't you don't you don't penal you you don't chase the guy. As an official in that situation. And Sean Smith chased him, raced to get in front of him instead of just letting Joey go, let him walk away. You're not going to see Jerry Markbright, Jim Tunney. The, you know, you're not going to see the best referees in the history of the league. None of them went chasing after players in situations like that. They knew it's the heat of the moment. You got to let the player go. You got to let the coach. I mean, we see coaches throw headsets and everything and nobody does anything. Sean Smith went running after him, and that's wrong. You don't do that as an official. If Joey Bosa comes and gets in front of you, chases you and gets in front of you, that's a different story. But you don't go chasing him, okay? You just incite it more. As an official, you can't incite it more. If the player does that, yes, then you throw the flag. If he chases after you, touches you, or whatever, yes, then then you do that. You do not try to incite the situation even higher by chasing Bosa down, cutting in front of him, and further engaging him in conversation.
2: That's
1: fair. To your point, though, Bosa's got to know, look, our season's on the line if we lose this game. Did he, did he have a case where it looked like he, he went into spin cycle mode and the guy grabs him and holds him? absolutely 100% but guess what happens on every play just about the National Football yeah. League and you know as well as I do it's happenstance whether it gets called all the time or not you could call holding in some way shape or form in, in, in a game all the time you could you could do it just about all the time if we called every piece of illegal contact on DBs that that even incidental mm-hmm. is it by the book technically did a guy get make contact with a receiver running his route down the field Absolutely. Yeah. Does uh, it make a, does it, does it determine whether he makes a catch or not on a play? Again, we can debate uh, all of that. There's so much gray area in terms of right. rules in the National Football League.
2: There's probably a hundred situations. But you can't act like
1: a jackass yeah. like Bosa did. That's, you can't throw the helmet down. Did you see Brandon Staley? Yeah. Brandon Staley reached down to grab the helmet to hope that the fi- officials didn't see yeah. it. Yeah. Because by throwing his helmet there,
2: they could have banged him again over there. I understand the dude's hurt. I understand he's a great pass rusher. Can't lose your mind. You though. can't lose con- total control. And for him, after not only after the game, when they got back to Los Angeles, when he's had time to cool-, mm-hmm. cool down, he's like, "I guarantee it." That's what they're bleeping, talking like in the back. Whatever power trip. I'm sick of those bleeping people. Listen, I'm not telling you that the officials don't have biases and prejudices and whatever, and that you know, like the the head official last night. Is now 9-0, and I think, when officiating a Cowboys game. Uh, I, I forget the number. I, I saw Warren Sharp put it up. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, like there could be biases. There could be prejudices. There could be, I don't like that guy. He's, he's barked at me before. He's called me a, a bleeping idiot before. Guess what? When Bryce Harper used to snap and lose his mind at home plate umpires, I was absolutely convinced that – They were ganging up on him, and Mm. rightfully so, because he was constantly showing them up and constantly acting like a buffoon, even though Nationals fans loved it because, oh, big bad Bryce. Well, guess what? Same thing with Joey Bosa. Please stop. Like, again, I understand you're hurt. I understand it's a competitive game. I understand you're all fired up. I got it. You know what what didn't happen the other day? In the Giant-Viking game, when – Dexter Lawrence gets called for a very, very, very questionable late hit on Kirk Cousins or a personal foul on Kirk Cousins. A terrible call. Very questionable, <laughs> if not terrible. Dexter Lawrence did nothing. He just got up and kept playing because so, he
1: knew that he knew he was going to be back there again because I, they couldn't block exactly.
2: Him. So I, I, again, we got to get to that game and whatever. I just wanted to call out. I'm normally a big-time critic of Brandon Staley. Not saying this is a good look. Not saying Brandon Staley would be my coach. But I do give him some credit for overcoming a lot of injuries, getting his team to the playoffs, getting them to a 27 nothing lead. Obviously a bad look. But to me, this one comes down to Joey Bosa had no control of himself, and he's supposed to be the best player on that defense, and he's supposed to lead the way. And they couldn't get home, and they couldn't make a game-changing play when they absolutely needed it against Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, by the way, you know what we're not uh, giving enough credit to, by the way? Dak Prescott for bouncing back after last week's debacle here in Washington.
2: Who picked the Dallas Cowboys to win that game? Um, That would be me right here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And also I did too. I think initially I was leaning to Tampa, but I did change, and I did did bounce back after a brutal Sunday. I got a story on that. Great Saturday night, brutal (laughs) Sunday, nice Monday.
1: I'll tell you why. Jay Gruden joins us in 13 minutes. Chris tells us what's trending.
2: All right. According to our buddy JP Finley, 106.7, the fan Odyssey, DC, NBC4, a commander sale is expected to happen soon. Might be announced by March, of course, would have to be voted and approved by the NFL, which would be late March. Todd Bowley, who we talked about on Friday, there was a report that he was emerging as the leading candidate. According to J.P., he is out. Jeff Bezos has not made a bid yet. A.J. Perez, front office sports, first to report that. He will join us at 11. Josh Harris, currently the owner of the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia 76ers, might be, according to J.P., the top candidate. Commanders are in Interviewing Pat Shermer, longtime NFL assistant, son of Fritz Shermer, uh, and uh, a guy that we are definitely going to talk about with Jay Gruden. That, according to Mike Garofalo, they're interviewing him today. Washington Post first with the news over the weekend. John Keim of ESPN adding Washington has interest in Atlanta quarterback coach Charles London, as well Miami associate head coach and running backs coach Eric Studsville. Daryl Bevel, also a name that has emerged. Pewter report, as we mentioned, saying that D.C. native Byron Leftwich will be let go by the Bucks, and that's what's trending.
1: Jay Gruden coming up in seven minutes to break down the NFL playoffs and the offensive coordinator market. The good news is with all these offensive coordinators kind of changing over, maybe Jay get a call. Doing something. Quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. Something. Certainly good enough to do that. Over the weekend, you, Sheehan, Grant, all the subject of uh, turmoil from... Twitter fans here in D.C., I will say this. Your boy played a good football game until the very last throw. Mm-hmm. And the more I look at the last play, Chris, I don't know if he had – I that ball's got to get somehow beyond the marker. It does. I don't know if physically Kirk could have gotten the ball beyond the marker because the Minnesota Vikings, as I said, they could not block Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Okay, McKinney was making – Lawrence and McKinney the entire second half
2: mm-hmm.
1: were making terrific plays after neither defense mm-hmm. made a play at all seemingly. In the first half. And then the Giants' defense last couple of possessions buckled down because Minnesota couldn't block Lawrence, and McKinney was making terrific plays in the secondary. Mm-hmm. He made multiple plays, including the last play and he on didn't, Hawkinson. And he
2: didn't play a lot down the stretch Correct. for them.
1: Right, but I, I just thought the fact that – How ironic is it, Kirk's final throw in a game where he played very well, very above average, Mm -hmm. okay, is a four-yard pass when he needed eight to keep the game going.
2: I'm curious to see what Jay will, or hear what Jay will have uh, on this because obviously coached him, offensive court, we, we know the whole deal. Here's my very amateurish live Pete. I was like, Kirk, what are you doing? When I went back and 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 this is thanks to Kirk Kurt Kurt Warner. I almost mm-hmm. called him Kirk Warner. Kurt Warner, Hall of Fame quarterback, NFL network and Westwood One analyst. He broke it down and showed the coaching tape. There's a reason why Kirk Cousins threw that so quickly and threw it way short of the sticks. I want to get into that with Jay as we come back here and break all that down. Listen, it's not because it's not because Kirk Cousins is a wuss and because Kirk Cousins is soft and because Kirk Cousins is average and all the dumb, stupid, idiotic things that you people on Twitter say that you would never say to another human being. He's actually look, he was good. He was good. He was he was was good. Very good. And Daniel Jones was better. That's, there you go. And Jay, remember. Jay called this a couple of weeks ago. Well, not only that, but remember the rumor. And Jay has never, when we've asked him about it, he's never really gone full in. I think maybe because of the situation, whatever, what happened in 2019. Supposedly, reportedly, I believe, Jay very much favored Daniel Jones over the late now Dwayne Haskins. Uh, again, maybe that's crying over spilled milk, but that's what we remember being a part of the conversation and what I've heard. Again, Jay doesn't exactly uh, always you know, add to that. Maybe we can get him to add to that. I don't know. But a couple of interesting situations there coming out of that Giants-Vikings game, setting up what should be, what should be a great Giants-Eagles game. I think that game's going to be better than people think it's going to be.
1: Make Coaching closer. matters. Coaching matters, what I tell you when they hired him. You told were you, you were dead on, on, you were dead on balls
2: accurate about Brian Dable. And and I I gotta be I, I like remember, Brian, I like Brian way, Dable. I underestimated hey, him. By the a way, bit. too.
1: Remember there was a time that outside of Andy Reid, guys like Brian Dable couldn't get a job just merely because of the way they looked. Mm-hmm. Big, jovial, you know, that guy that guy Big could Big Beer gut. Yeah, I mean, that guy couldn't get a job. Bald. You know, because of the way they looked. And it's amazing what happens when you when you open your mind and talk football with people like that. You know, Mark Mangino, who did an unbelievable job at Kansas, mm-hmm. same way, couldn't get another job after that. Mm-hmm. Kansas went like a gazillion years without winning a football mm-hmm. game, it seemed. Uh, so, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, don't discriminate against people, man, because what you might be discriminating against is winning. Yep. And I don't know anybody that would want to discriminate Against winning. 301-230-0980. Jay Gruden joins us next on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.